0: Football season is back, and hey, so is this podcast. Thank you for downloading the Chiefs on Farzina Vasuki in here with you after a solid Chiefs win on the road in Houston, which we will dive into in just a moment. A lot to get into, uh, especially with the short week coming up for the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll get into that all in just a moment. But a big thank you to all of you for downloading this podcast, making me part of your morning, your afternoon, your evening, whatever time of day it is, uh, wanting to get your Chiefs fix or another place to hear uh, Chiefs commentary. We appreciate you taking the time to uh, download this episode and uh, checking out the Chief Zone. For those of you who have listened to this podcast before and have heard me in the past, uh, gosh, I did this in 2007, I believe, and then... Uh, took a couple breaks here and there, but for the most part, uh, did a lot of shows over the years, almost 300 episodes. And uh, for those of you again who are listening, uh, welcome back and thank you for once again listening. For those of you who are new, want to welcome you to this Chiefs podcast as well. Uh, always feel free to interact with me on uh, social media. I have my uh, Facebook page at Farzine and You guys can like that uh, on Facebook. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Interact with me through there. Always open to interactivity. I think that's what makes media so good, especially when you're in the media covering a team. When you have a little bit of access and fans want to interact with you, it just makes it more fun. So uh, please, feel free to interact with me. I'm all open to that as well. We'll see what we can do uh, with the podcast, if we can do a phone line or a voicemail line, uh, kind of like when, what we did in the past. But uh, we'll, we'll try to figure things out as we go. Uh, a few of the kinks will uh, handle as we go, but uh, with that said here on this show we'll recap Kansas City's twenty seven to twenty victory over the Houston Texans in which a lot of people in the national media didn't really see this coming uh, I just took a quick look at ESPN's uh predictions i didn't I didn't see a lot of the other national media such as Yahoo Sports or all the other pundits that have their uh picks post them online for fans to see but Uh, Just going into week one and and throughout the preseason, there was this preconceived notion that Kansas City, I I, I, I guess the media has been underestimating Kansas City, and I want to dive into that a little bit and and kind of figure out why, because that to me is confusing. I'm not quite sure why a lot of people are underestimating this team uh, when I think they have the potential to do a lot of damage, kind of like what we saw in this game and uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. But due to that, this is a short week. We will also preview the Chiefs and the Broncos. A huge game on Thursday night. A lot on the line with first place. And Denver coming up with a huge win. In a pretty low scoring affair. Uh, one that not many people saw coming against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Denver didn't really look like the uh, kind of team that... Is led by Peyton Manning. We'll t- we'll touch on that as well later in the podcast. But let's start with the Chiefs win twenty seven to twenty. And hey, other than that first drive right there, which didn't it wasn't a terrible drive. I, I think what a lot of uh, football fans need to understand is hey, the, I mean, just because you didn't come away with a score, I mean, sure, it's not. I mean, you won't give it a perfect grade, but you know, if you can move the ball and not turn the turn the football over and Pin them deep inside their own 20, like the Chiefs did early in the game. That's a solid drive. You want, I mean, getting the football also not, not ideal for a lot of teams. A lot of teams uh, defer if they win the coin toss, which is understandable. But hey, if you had the football first, that's a chance for you to set the tone in this football game. The Chiefs couldn't do that right away. Uh, but after punting the football and on just one play, Brian Hoyer inside his own seven throws an interception to Marcus Peters and look I get it it's one play it's one game but for a guy who who fell a little bit in the draft and understandably so with his past in college uh, I think Marcus Peters is off to a great start. Yeah, almost had a second interception in this game, uh, but overall, just a really great coverage. Did get beat in this game at one point, but you know he's a rookie. I mean, he—he's he, this is his real first game. Uh, sure, they have those four preseason contests, five for a couple teams if they play in the Hall of Fame game, but uh, you know this is the real deal here. Uh, let's face it, not every, not all the teams, and, and and some teams have a lot, a lot of things to. Ad- work out in the preseason and figure out, but teams that know some of their guys or know what what they're going to get, uh, what, what kind of production they're going to get, they're not going to go 100% because they know some of their players. I, I mean, the, they don't want to show things on film that they don't need to show. And, you know, there were some things that Marcus Peters was definitely unprepared for, but th- th- that's part of a rookie. You're not going to find every single rookie dominate. Sure, Marcus Mariota had a really great day, but he also had a couple flaws out there for the Titans in his debut against the Buccaneers. Everybody goes through that in the NFL. But for the most part, Marcus Peters, first play right away, uh, comes up huge. And that right there is what set the tone. It possibly could have been a momentum shift. What if Houston goes, what was it, 93 yards starting at their own seven? What if they went 93 yards and got a touchdown in that game? Especially at home, on their own turf. You think about that for a moment, right there. Not, a, not, not, not the greatest scene to, to be a part of. If you're a Chiefs fan, you don't ever want to be trailing on the road because fans get into it. the The home team, the the players get into it. It gets pretty tough. You know, so much is made of home field in sports, especially football. That I think once you. Trail in a football game on the road, it gets pretty challenging. So for the Chiefs to be able to come away with that pick and immediately score two plays later, that's huge. And Kansas City really needed that. Now, no touchdowns to so a wide receiver just yet, but I think Chiefs fans are going to take this. The Chiefs, this offense, and I know Jamal Charles didn't do, didn't have a great game on the ground, but for the most part, this is a Chiefs team that still looked uh, much more versatile. And I've been saying this in my blogs throughout the off season, with Jeremy Macklin on this team and Travis Kelty and just how good those two are they're going to help each other and then when you consider Jamal Charles, Albert Wilson, DeAnthony Thomas other guys that you have in this and a lot of speed on this offense too I don't know if I I recall a Chiefs team and and I should throw Nile Davis's name in there as well I don't know if I recall a Chiefs team that has had a plethora amount of speed on its offense. I, I really don't know if I can recall of a team. I mean, sure, you had a couple fast guys in the past, like Dante Hall, uh, re- really fast. Uh, Priest Holmes, a very elusive guy who who was able to move quickly. Uh, Larry Johnson, uh, of course, had a couple good years. But I don't know if there was ever an offense where there were just so many football players that had tremendous speed. And the Chiefs really have that on this football team. I mean, look, just because one guy in you know, a... Pull up the box score in just a second, but just because somebody maybe they didn't have a great game uh, statistically, and just to look specifically, uh, DeAnthony Thomas is a guy who I wanted to pull up. I've got his numbers now. One catch for two yards—that's not a bad thing for, for for DeAnthony Thomas. Sure, you want more production from him, no question about it. But there were times, especially on that uh, fake sweep, where Alex Smith made it look like he was going to give it to DeAnthony Thomas instead, dishes it to Charles for a screen to the left, and able to move forward, get the first down there. And that actually got a few of the Texans defenders to bite the bait and go to the right following DeAnthony Thomas. So those kinds of plays right there. And look, I'm sure Houston and Romeo Cornell, we we are very familiar with him here in Kansas City. He probably knew who DeAnthony Thomas was. He didn't play for Romeo Cornell specifically, but sure, he, he studies the Chiefs. I'm sure he still knows a lot of people. Uh, from Kansas City, and look, being the defensive coordinator that he is, uh, multiple Super Bowl champion defensive coordinator, he he does the due diligence. He studies the opposing team carefully. So, he knew that the Texans were going to have to account for a lot of players on Kansas City's offense, and look, the Texans had to pick their poison on that play, so that's just an example of what some people do. That That's DeAnthony Thomas's role right there. I think people forget so many times uh, you know, look. Just because you didn't have six catches and 106 yards like Travis Kelsey doesn't mean you had a terrible day. I mean, if Eric Hosmer for the Royals goes 0 for four, I mean 0 for four doesn't sound good, but he could easily end up with two RBIs. What if he has a a big sacrifice fly? I mean, there there are players that do their job, and it doesn't come through statistically in baseball. It kind of does. You know, you can go 0 for four, over 0 for three. With maybe one or two RBIs, in which you still uh, come through for the team in a manner, but it doesn't come up in football, uh, unfortunately. And I think people need to realize the Anthony Thomas, what he did, uh, s- still helped the Chiefs, uh, and that's something Kansas City, uh, Kansas City fans need to take into consideration. So, so many players on this offense that I think Houston just had a hard time trying to follow with, and you saw them, the, the Chiefs, just go out early here, uh, Travis Kelsey... Not one, but two touchdowns. And by the way, I loved his second touchdown uh, celebration. where His first one, by the way, I think that was a message to Gronk when he spiked the football. I, I, I think he was trying to let Gronk know, hey, look, you're not the only dominant tight end in the NFL. And hey, it's true. We'll get into uh, Kelsey in a moment because I think he really does hold the key for the Chiefs this season. But goes out there, gets his second one with the windmill knockout punch uh, celebration, which was very funny to watch. Uh, and also made the rounds on social media, but overall, you look at Kelsey going out there already on fire, and then Jeremy Macklin gets involved, and statistically, Macklin didn't have any eye-grabbing numbers, 52 yards off five catches, but still pretty good numbers. A couple deep shot attempts, too, uh, and he also had that uh, completed pass, which was overturned, uh, I guess famously known as the catch because... And look, I I still don't understand that ruling. A lot of people still have a question about that. To me, it looked like he had it. And then you you do see the uh, football come out of his hands for just a split second. I mean, for those of you who are computer uh, video editing savvy like me, you guys understand. If you go two frames, just two movements, you do see the football come out. But to me, I I thought he had possession and that anything after that would have been a fumble. So I thought that was a fumble right there going out of bounds, which would not have mattered. But the officials kind of saw it otherwise. And uh, Mike Carey for CBS tried to explain it, and I still didn't have it down fully. Uh, so I think that's one of those things that uh, people still uh, – are still trying to understand. And, and look, officials miss a lot of things sometimes, too. Uh, whether you want to call out the right call or not, Kansas City got away with not one, but two interference calls in this football game. Uh, and look, Chiefs fans complain so much about Tom Holly getting held. It goes both ways. The bad calls and then the bad no calls, they go both ways. They really do. But Back to where I was with Kansas City's offense, Macklin got involved a little bit, picked up a couple of first downs to help move the chains. Jamal Charles had a better day through the air than he did on the ground, but look, I mean, just because Charles had uh, 57 carry uh, yards, part of me off 16 carries doesn't mean he had a horrible day either. I think what's so great about Andy Reid's style of offense and the players he has, they can do a lot of things. Larry Johnson. Look, we all remember how things ended with him. He wasn't a versatile guy who could go out there and uh, c- catch the ball. I mean, he was a run, 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 run kind of guy. Didn't really catch the ball a whole lot. For Charles, he goes out there, struggles on the ground, but can also make some plays through the air. So I think that's what's so good about Jamal Charles and just the uh, kind of offense that he that he plays under with, uh, with Andy Reid. We never saw this kind of Jamal Charles from Todd Haley or Herm Edwards, I think he kind of saw the potential a little bit under Herm Edwards during that 08 season as a rookie, uh, but we never really saw that so much, especially under Romeo Cornell, and and that was a disaster under Romeo Cornell. I mean, getting so many few carries, uh, Andy Reid sees the talent and sees how he can be used, and we saw LaShawn McCoy and Brian Westbrook used like this in Philadelphia, so we're seeing more and more and more of that from Charles, it happened right away in 2013. When Charles led the NFL in total touchdowns. But overall, this offense... uh, Just really good, overall. I I mean, they did a lot of good things. I think this is what makes the offense... Ten times better than last year. Much better than last season. Last season, and in 2013... Jamal Charles was the lone leader. Like I alluded to just a moment ago, Charles led the NFL in total touchdowns in 2013, I think he finished with 19. I don't have that number right in front of me, but he he led the league that season. This year, Charles is not going to lead the NFL in touch. In fact, he might be one of the guys who competes for that for that title. Not that you know, not that a lot of people follow. The uh, total touchdowns, I mean, people follow receiving touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, but the thing with Charles is he has helped this year. He's no longer that lone leader. Uh, you you get rid of a lot of deadweights, guys like Dwayne Bowe, uh, Avery, Jenkins, so, so many guys that just didn't contribute last year, and Jamal Charles had to uh, pick things up and, and help this team. And tra- Look, Travis Kelsey did step in last year. I mean, he led the team in uh, receiving touchdowns, receiving yards, and receptions. The only tight end to do that, uh, lead uh, a team in all three of those categories. Uh, But they weren't eye-grabbing numbers either. And and I think now Kelsey will have even more numbers because he has guys like Jeremy Macklin. And and I think Albert Wilson will will be able to make things uh, happen as well on the field. Uh, We didn't see Jason Avant much in this football game. I, I don't know if he even played a snap. I saw him on the sidelines, but... I don't know if he uh, he wasn't targeted in this game, but I still think he's a guy who can uh, be a key for this offense because he has so much familiarity with Andy Reid, plus his veteran leadership. I mean, you have to have that on a football team. The Chiefs, looking at uh, just the roster right now, or at least the uh, starters on the depth chart, they don't have a lot of guys outside of Alex Smith and Jamal Charles with that uh, long veteran leadership, uh, Jeremy Macklin, uh, Yeah, I mean he's kind of turning into that guy where uh, you know other players on the team will go to him more and more. Uh, especially, I mean he's he's been in the league since '09, so this is a guy who is now viewed highly than than he has been before. Especially coming to a new team and, and knowing Andy Reid's offense. that always helps for for a football team. But overall, I think this offense looked pretty good. The offensive line. Uh, I think, had a lot of people worried going into this game. Eric Fisher making that switch from left to right after playing right his rookie season because Brandon Albert, at the time when he was on the team, was at left tackle. So a lot of people still unsure what's going on with Eric Fisher. Obviously, he couldn't play in this game with, because of his ankle. But, hey, give some props to Ja Reed. You uh, sign up just a, from a week ago, and you're you've never started a game at right tackle. And you have to face J.J. Watt. I mean, two weeks ago, this guy had no i no plans of even facing J.J. Watt. And then, of course, his first game uh, ends up doing so. And look, he, I think, Reed, we have to cut him a little bit of slack here. I'm not going to give him a free pass by all means, but I think he had an average day uh, against J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt did have three quarterback hits, got to Alex Smith quite a bit in this football game. Uh, and John Reed, of course, was caught a couple times. He was penalized a couple times. Uh, against Watt. And look, Watt's not an easy guy to defend. There's a reason why so many people thought he deserved to win MVP last year. wasn't just a good defensive player. This guy is just a freak athlete. Obviously makes plays on offense, but but he's primarily a defensive guy. Just the amount of plays and what he can do against offensive linemen, uh, just dangerous. And I'm really surprised and I will say disappointed the Chiefs didn't have a tight end right beside Reed to help him out. We saw a lot of one-on-one action in this game. Something that I thought we were going to see the the complete opposite. I thought we were going to see the Chiefs put maybe O'Shaughnessy, even Kelsey. Kelsey is a reliable pass blocker. I thought the Chiefs were going to use a a tight end put beside Reed to help him out, but the Chiefs decided not to do that. Didn't end up hurting them too terribly much because Kansas City did score 20 points. To start off, or 27 points. Pardon me, in the first half, and by the way, that was our only set of points in the game, all coming in the first half, which I'll jump into. A lot of people do have that concern uh, as one of the uh, uh, post-game thoughts as Chiefs fans, but for the most part, this this Chiefs team looked really good. Uh, you you get off to a 27 to six lead, and Houston ends up getting a field goal. It's Twenty-seven to nine, and you, you're you're thinking to yourself, what else do you want? It, it couldn't get much better than that. Kansas City really controlled this football game from beginning to end. Yes, Brian Horrier d- did get this team rolling in the first quarter, but with that missed field goal, and especially with the ruling with the extra point attempt now being longer, which I absolutely love because that adds a new element to the game. I mean, you saw Randy Bullock miss that extra point attempt. Hey, look, you've got to be able to do something about that because even though we've had a couple misses from uh, from two yards away, or at least that's where the snap was for extra points, it's time that we do something about that. Let's make the extra point more interesting because how many people after you see the touchdown in attendance, or even at home. As soon as the touchdown happens, you know the extra point's going to be made, so you're going to go back in the stands for for a hot dog or a beer, because you don't care to see the extra point, unless it's the game-winning extra point. That's different. But in terms of the new rule with the extra point attempt, that adds a twist. That adds excitement. That's something... That people want to see now. I found myself actually tuned in to extra point attempts more. Well, not just for, for the Chiefs game, but all this week. Thursday night when the Patriots won. And then as the day went on against uh, the, the the Chargers and the Lions were on Fox. And then uh, on CBS you had the Broncos and the Ravens. I, I just found myself more in tune to those. Because it's possible. Guys are going to miss. Kyro Santos missed in the preseason. So for the most part I mean th- this is uh, a big element here and look like I said earlier nobody cares for extra point attempts unless it's the it's the uh, game winning extra point uh, the the networks are never going to show extra point attempts that are made unless they are the game winning extra point attempt and and sometimes they don't even show that point extra point attempt made even if it does give them the one point lead so there it is. I, I mean, you, you saw that right there from tech, the, the, the Texans uh, in trouble early, going down 14 0, and then uh, getting that touchdown and not being able to come away with that extra point attempt. I mean, that really diminishes confidence and momentum, and, and it really gives the opposing team a lot to feel good about. So, from Houston's perspective, You're watching this game, and you don't feel good about it. No way. And the players and the coaches on the sideline, the coaches are scrambling, trying to figure out how the hell do we get back in this game, which Houston did make it interesting in the end, but for Kansas City, you have to feel good. And I know for Chiefs fans, we were on the opposite end, watching games like this, seeing The Chiefs get in trouble so much early. I'll even throw the Royals in this. Because a lot of people are following the Royals more than ever. And look, that's how sports works. You follow the team when they start getting better. No one wants to pay money or go see a losing product. Over the years, we've had to see the Chiefs and the Royals just get in so much trouble because they've had poor talent or poor coaching, managing. And then all of a sudden, you you see a big shift. You see guys all of a sudden making plays, doing the right thing, and consistently doing well, and you get off to this kind of a lead. As Royals and Chiefs fans, we're we're now seeing not just consistency, but dominance. And that's resulting into the opposing team just failing and messing up on, on just some of the basics, some of the fundamentals of the game. And it's good to finally be on the other end to know how it feels to see the other team struggle immensely because as Chiefs fans and Royals fans we were on the opposite end of that for years it sucked to see i mean there's no there's no sugar coating it was it was horrible atrocious no one would even wanted to see it now i did say consistent dominance the chiefs didn't necessarily have that and i said i would get into this in a moment so many fans concerned about this the Chiefs didn't come away with any set of points in the second half. A couple attempts downfield from Alex Smith, a field goal attempt from Cairo Santos, but couldn't connect. So uh, you you still have those uh you still have those concerns. And and look, I'll say this. I tweeted right before halftime. I said, look, my only concern right now is whether or not Andy Reid's gonna be conservative. And, and I and I had someone tweet me about this saying that being conservative means you're running, running, and running. Which is not the case at all. I, I mean, look, you can be conservative and not run the ball every single play. I mean, we saw the Chiefs, yes, take some shots downfield, but uh, I mean, they, they didn't necessarily connect. We didn't see an aggressive style of offense in the second half from the Chiefs. And someone also brought this point up on Facebook when I when I made this point. And Andy Reid did this two years ago. And he, he didn't admit this publicly, but this is just something I, that I thought of. And again, it's just a thought. I don't know if it's true or not. This is just kind of my, my theory, I guess. I think Andy Reid, the way he saw the 27-9 to lead at halftime... And look, let's be honest. Brian Hoyer, n- n- not the greatest quarterback. Ryan Mallett sure did look impressive, but... At the end of the day, Kansas City able to finish the game, but I think Reed said to himself, we've got a lead. And look, Brian Hoyer is not Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck. He's not going to pull an Indianapolis Colts wildcard performance where he's going to come back and, and just overshadow the Chiefs in the second half. There's no way that was happening. Sure, it's happened in the past with some players, but it's not happening with Brian Hoyer. And Brian Hoyer, just to give you, I think the biggest stat to prove that there's no way he could come back, a 12.3 quarterback rating. That's what Brian Hoyer finished with. Had that interception, had that fumble, uh, in which defense fell on it, in which, by the way, Kansas City struck back on the uh, first play off that fumble recovery, punched it in the end zone. That's what you like to see. But we never got that aggressive style of offense in the second half from the Chiefs. And my theory is this. I think Andy Reid said to himself, hey, look, we've got the 27-9 lead. Brian Hoyer's their quarterback. There's no way they're going to come back in this game and beat us. There's a reason for us to put something on film for the Broncos to study. And you also have to consider the fact that this is a very short week. We've heard lots of fans the past couple of years complain about the short week and the preparation and how it's unhealthy for the players. I think from Andy Reid's point of view, he just didn't want to give something Denver to, to study or look at. And that's just my guess. If if that's really... He'll obviously never admit this. But if that's really what's going through Andy Reid's mind, I think that's, that's an awesome strategy right there. Don't give the Broncos something to study going into Thursday Night Football. Because we all know it. Ever since Peyton Manning got there... Denver's been 6-0 against the Chiefs. A couple close ones here and there, but it's it's been all Broncos every single time. And you want that to change, especially right now with a 1-0 start to the season. Denver also, you, you, you knew that they were probably going to win against the Ravens. Probably not the way that they did win, which they'll obviously work on and get ready for this Thursday. But I think Andy Reid said, look, I've got to I, I I've got to go a little slow here, and, and does that mean going conservative? Uh, unfortunately, yes. So I uh, look. I, I'm not going to hide from the fact that this team was conservative, but if you want to go into week two not showing much on film from week one, great. Yeah, I, I mean that's I, I think that's perfect. And look, this is a different Chiefs offense. This is not sure you can study last year's film too. But, you didn't have this kind of Travis Kelsey last year. You didn't have Jeremy Macklin. I mean, look, first of all, you don't even want to study last year's tape because all those wide receivers that you saw, with the exception of Jason Abbott, who, who, again, wasn't even on the team for training camp, so even he was still adjusting as well. Albert Wilson didn't play so much in the early goings of, of last season. I mean, he played late in the season and was adjusting as well. So if you want to study last year's game film, go right ahead. Because you're not going to get much. You're not going to learn much. Sure, you know Jamal Charles. Everyone knows Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles is no secret. But as far as the passing game goes, it's going to be hard for other teams to study and prepare for this team because this is a new and much more improved passing game. Two years ago, I said Andy Reid might have done this before. Against the Jaguars in Week 1, the Chiefs got off to a 21-2 start against uh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville's only uh, set of points came on special teams, blocking Colquitt's punt and going into the end zone for a safety. That was the only score they had. Got off to a 2 nothing lead, and then the Chiefs scored 21 unanswered points going with a 21-2 lead. They got the defensive touchdown from Tom Bahaly's interception, uh, but no offensive scores. And I think Reed did that on purpose because... Kansas City was getting ready to face a really good Cowboys offense the following week at home. So, I love the strategy. If that is the strategy, I don't know if that's the case or not. Maybe maybe they were trying to be aggressive and it just came off conservative or just looked bad in the second half. I don't know. But we've seen this picture before. And last time it happened, the Chiefs got off to a 9-0 and start in the football season and went on to make the playoffs. And hopefully there's a different ending in the playoffs this year compared to that time. But I like like the strategy. Don't give Denver something to study. So hopefully it works out for Reed. Because it worked out for the Chiefs in this game. Sure, Ryan Mallett got on a bit of a roll late in the game. And there's probably a lot of Ryan Mallett fans. And a lot of Facebook pages saying, hey, let's start Ryan Mallett. But for the Chiefs, they got the job done. Speaking of the Chiefs getting the job done. Not many people thought that this team would be able to do it. I said earlier... Uh, I, and I posted this on, uh, on my Facebook page and on Twitter as well. Uh, the ESPN predi- uh, predictions. I took a screenshot from ESPN's website. And I was just really surprised by how many people thought Brian Hoyer was going to lead the Texans to a win over the Chiefs. Especially this Chiefs defense. Throughout the preseason, I, I, and I saw that something from Greg Rosenthal about how the Chiefs don't really have a, a strong a strong defense, uh, I've, I've, got, I've got to say it right now. I think a lot of people, and some, some people saw this today, and may, maybe they'll learn this Thursday as well, I think a lot of people are underestimating this Chiefs team. Especially the defense. The defense never, and I don't know why the national media hasn't brought this up, I, I haven't heard one national pundit say this, and maybe they have and I just haven't caught it. And if that's the case, it's being used very little. But Kansas City did not allow a team to score 30 or more points in a game last year. In fact, it's 19 consecutive games in which the Chiefs have not allowed 30 or more points in, the re- in a regular season contest. That's a pretty tall order right there. If you told me that even this good of a Chiefs defense... Led by Dontari Poe. And then you've got Holly and Houston on the outside. You've got Derek Johnson and Mike DeVito back to help the front seven. Let's not forget about Eric Berry, who dealt with injury and then dealt with his health. Now back. You add Tyvon Branch. You re-sign Parker. You still have Hussein Abdullah. You draft Marcus Peters. And this defense, it's going to be even better when Sean Smith, the most underrated cornerback in the game, comes back. You've got a lot of talent on this defense. And it, quite honestly, I mean, if I'm one of those players in the locker room, I'd be insulted that the national me- media is underestimating this defense. This is a defense that has so much potential to do a lot, a lot of damage. Like I said, 19 consecutive games in which the Chiefs have not allowed 30 or more points in a game. Last year, Kansas City's worst game was a 16 point loss, and that was in week one to Tennessee, that disappointing loss. That upset right there at home, in which the Chiefs did lose Johnson and DeVito for the season. If your worst loss is by 16 points, you never got blown out of the content. To me, I, I would say if, if the final score is different by three possessions, I'd consider that a blowout. Now, of course, the final score maybe isn't always an indicator. It could be close for three quarters, and then the fourth quarter, one team just completely runs away with it. I, I, I mean, I don't know. A lot of people have their own definition of what a blowout is or what a close game is. We're not all going to be on the same page on, on this one here, but I think we can all agree 16 points or less, even though some games looked really, really bad and felt like a blowout, the Chiefs never really were blown out in any game. Two possessions isn't a blowout. You you, you score one touchdown, and of course you've got to get the two-point conversion because it was a 16-point game against the Titans, but you do that and it's a one-possession game. So Kansas City, by all means, was never defeated. Fans never walked away from a football game thinking, man, we just got our butts kicked completely. I think this defense, and by the way, my biggest complaint about the defense last year was the, and not the defense specifically, I take that but just the team in general, the imbalance on this team. The defense was great. I think the defense, every single game, from week one all the way through 17. I think the defense did its job and always put the Chiefs in position to win. The offense just never rewarded the defense. The offense never came away, and we all hear it in sports. A good offense helps a good defense and vice versa. Last year, the defense helped the offense, but the offense never returned the favor. The offense couldn't come away with with all those scores. And Like I said, obviously, the, the, the wide receivers, that was a big liability. The offensive line wasn't good, and they both improved this year. So we'll see how Kansas City does moving forward. Because, I, I don't know, H- Houston, the offense isn't really a good way of judging whether or not this team's going to be good. I, I, look, you've, you've got to dominate like you did in this game. Five sacks, uh, two takeaways, uh, an inter- interception, and a fumble recovery. But the offense, I was pleased with. I think this offense, I was more encouraged with this Chiefs offense than I was for a majority of last season. I was really encouraged when I saw both Niall Davis and Jamal Charles shine against the Patriots last year in that 41-14 blowout on Monday Night Football. But for the most part, I, I wasn't very encouraged with this offense. Watching the Chiefs against a very good and dominant Houston team, and I know everyone knows just J.J. Watt and also Jadavian Clowney, Vince Wilfork, part of that defensive line. But there are other players on this Texans defense that a lot of people really have to account for. I mean, you've got guys like Brian Cushing, who's really good, Quentin Demps, who is in Kansas City, and I think he's... Going to flourish, especially that he has Romeo Cornell as his defensive coordinator. I mean, this is a team that has some talent uh, on the defense. Not as dominant, but still really good. They've got the pass rush, which is what's going to help a lot of defenses. And the Chiefs were able to get through. Still had some trouble, like I said, but this offense looked really good. And I feel really encouraged, especially going into a game in which you have Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware coming after you. I mean, if you can beat a team that has J.J. Watt and that defensive line, I think you'll be able to get through any defense this year. Doesn't mean you're going to win all 16 games, but you'll be able to consistently do well against these kinds of defenses. You can play with the big boys in the NFL. And I get a lot of people maybe still not used to this this team with Andy Reid as, as a head coach. I mean, look. Going into the first season, a lot of people thought the Chiefs would be a 500 team. Maybe a couple people thought that they could pull a wild card spot with 8 or 9 wins. But to go 9-0 and, and, and finish with 11 wins, after winning only 2 the previous season in 2012, which was a disastrous season. I think a lot of people learned a lot from Andy Reid. And look, finishing 500 again the following season, despite falling 2 games back, almost still made the playoffs. This is a Chiefs team that I think now has it together. You're in the third year with John Dorsey as the general manager, Andy Reid as, as the head coach, Alex Smith as your quarterback, and by the way, Alex Smith just picked up his 20th win as a Chiefs starting quarterback. Eleven losses, missed two regular season games, both of them in the finale, both of them against the Chargers, in which the Chargers, of course, needed to win to try and make the playoffs, but... Alex Smith, 20 wins so far in his two full seasons, plus one into the third season. That's pretty good. It's been a while since we've had a starting quarterback in Kansas City that's accumulated 20 wins as a starting quarterback. It's been a while. It's been since Trent Green, since that has happened. So for the Chiefs, this is a really big deal. You're in your third year now with this era, with this new Chiefs team. Which, which I don't know if I would even use the word new anymore because it is your third year. Your first year, you're making those adjustments for most teams. I know for the Chiefs, it was a gigantic quick adjustment because you went 9-0. and But now you're in your third year, and expectations are really high. I think people not only are expecting a postseason appearance, but also finally getting that postseason win, which Kansas City hasn't had in forever. A lot of Chiefs fans watching today weren't even born When the Chiefs last won a postseason game, the Chiefs beat a team in the postseason. Their last postseason win, a team that doesn't even exist anymore. So I don't know what it is with the national media and their perspective. I don't know if so many teams are they. Maybe they look better on paper, and Kansas City doesn't. When I see the Chiefs' defense on paper, I see a lot of depth, especially on the defense, but on the offense. Look, I I think the offense still has a lot of room to grow, but you have a pretty dominant running back, tight end, and wide receiver trio with Charles, Kelsey, and Macklin. Give me Charles, Kelsey, and Macklin over any running back, tight end, wide receiver trio in the NFL. I don't know if you can find one as good as that right now in football. And I know Jeremy Macklin is just getting his feet wet. He, he just played his first game as a chief. But I think he's going to make more strides as the season goes along. I think the Chiefs are going to figure out how to use him more and more. And I think Alex Smith is going to get better with that. And look, I don't want to just praise the, tri- uh, the trio. I know Alex Smith is not Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. I mean, so many people are Alex Smith critics because he's not that dominant quarterback. I get we all want Tom Brady. We all want Peyton Manning on our football team. But Alex Smith has a lot of good qualities that not many NFL quarterbacks have his ability to take care of the football is one of the best I mean we all were excited in 2006 when Damon Hewitt filled in for Trent Green and look when we think of backup quarterbacks we don't we're not too confident we don't know what they're going to bring to the table but when Hewitt went out there and had only one interception Chiefs fans felt good about that you see Alex Smith and just how much he limits turnovers that's huge. That's a big factor in football. Turnovers are always the key in football games. It, it, it happens, but it's extremely rare that a team wins a turnover battle with three or four takeaways and the opposing team maybe has zero or one. And at the end of the day, you see that the team that gave away the football three or four times ends up winning the game. That's very rare in football. It happens. Like I said, it, the, I remember a point in 2008 when the Chiefs, I think, had nine takeaways and only one giveaway in a four-week span, and the team couldn't chalk up a win. That was Herm's last season. Again, like I said, those are extremely rare. Doesn't happen as It probably happens maybe, what, three or four times a season that I've noticed it. Alex Smith, first season with the Chiefs, seven interceptions. Seven interceptions. Fumbled four times. Second season with the Chiefs last year. Six interceptions. Three fumbles. Smith didn't have any turnovers from the Chiefs at all. And look, Alex Smith is going to have his fair share of turnovers, but it's not going to be excessive. Especially with what we saw from Castle and, and Brady Quinn a couple of years ago. Alex Smith does a great job of taking care of the football. So I think a lot of people need to just... To quote Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X, relax. Not every Super Bowl winning team has had Peyton Manning and Tom Brady as their quarterback. We've seen some second tier quarterbacks make it or even win the Super Bowl. And a lot of top-tier quarterbacks don't even win a title. I I, I I know the game has changed so much, but look at Dan Marino. Never picked up a ring. Like I said, I know the game's a lot different, but at the end of the day, there are still a lot of great quarterbacks. A lot of great quarterbacks over the years who never had a championship. And there are some second-tier and even mediocre, Look, like the Chicago Bears, Uh, from uh, a decade ago Uh, I think it was uh, 05 or 06 fell to the Colts Rex Grossman was their quarterback so we see those football teams uh, every now and then uh, still make it to the championship game and Alex Smith look, look let's not forget he did lead the 49ers to an NFC title game once well, he's never won- he's never played in a Super Bowl. We have to remember, in his last year with the 49ers, that was that was Colin Kaepernick in the second half. So Smith has statistically been in a Super Bowl, but has never played in one. I think overall with this Chiefs team, I think there, there are a lot of people underestimating this team and, and, and the talent. My, my biggest thing with this Chiefs team, I, I, I know the defense. I've written about it. I, I've talked about it. And I know the offense too I have praised the the trio Charles, Kelsey and Macklin My biggest thing and this is something I kind of had trouble with but I I came to the conclusion that I think Alex Smith is going to be able to do it This Chiefs team is in the same position it was in 2012 In 2012 I still remember us all saying the Chiefs are going to be as good as Matt Castle takes the team We all saw how that went Not pretty good Same scenario this year. The Chiefs will be as good as far as Alex Smith takes the team. And so far, it's looking pretty good for the Chiefs and Alex Smith. Alex Smith goes out there, three touchdowns, has a good day, especially in the first half. Not going to argue with that. So I think Chiefs fans feel pretty good about the position. And look, like I said, Alex Smith isn't a top-tier quarterback. But does that even matter so much? I know a lot of people praise Andrew Luck. We all remember the Suck for Luck campaigns back in 2012. Andrew Luck had the same same amount of passing yards as Alex Smith, 243 yards. Smith won 22 of 33. Luck went 26 of 49, a 53% uh, completion percentage. Two interceptions in the game. Alex Smith had none. And look, don't get me wrong, Andrew Luck's going to bounce, ba- and the Colts, they're both going to, I mean, they're going to bounce back. From that disappointing loss to the Bills. But even the top tier quarterbacks. I mean they look mediocre. Peyton Manning. Oh gosh. Do you think Denver Broncos fans. Feel really good about Peyton Manning. Look this offseason. So much was made about Peyton Manning. Whether or not he's going to be good this year. And now we're, we're seeing why those concerns. Took place. I mean, did you see Peyton Manning on Sunday? Didn't look pretty. And going into Kansas City on Thursday night, and look, I, I think what makes Arrowhead so special, obviously the, the noise record. Fans are loud. But in environments when it's Prime time, Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night. And that doesn't mean you're gonna win every single time, but Thursday night football, home opener. Short week. People are going to skip work. People are going to call in the, uh, on Friday. Have that nice three-day weekend, possibly four-day weekend. Uh, Chiefs fans are going to be into it, and you know this defense. I know that I know Peyton Manning has done a great job beating this dominant defense of Holly and Houston when Andy Reid got there. Holly and Houston got to Peyton Manning in 2011. I or pardon me, 2012. I I, I, I recall that pretty well because. Uh, When the Chiefs had Brady Quinn, Kansas City lost 17-9. One possession. An eight-point touchdown is what the Chiefs needed. Chiefs never had a touchdown in that game. Brady Quinn was the quarterback. And look, Peyton Manning hasn't really had great games against the Chiefs either. He's won almost every single time with the exception of one. But he still finds a way to beat the Chiefs. But still... I I mean, there's something in which the Chiefs find a way to beat him on the field. As far as the Broncos and the Chiefs this Sunday, look, like I said, it's Thursday night football, home opener. The crowd's going to be raucous, and they're going to be into it. I mean, this is is the type of environment opposing teams do not want to go into, especially with the setting being a primetime football game. Now, obviously, the offense... Look, the offense... Don't change anything. This Everything the offense did, with the exception of the rushing attack, looked great. Easier said than done because you are going to be facing a, a really good defense. The defense for the Chiefs? Do the same thing. Chiefs had five sacks against Brian Hoyer. Now, like I said, easier said than done. Peyton Manning, I remember the uh, when the Chiefs were 9-0... Dropped their first game to the Broncos. Peyton Manning had those quick passes and made his offensive tackles look good, but look, that was really more Peyton Manning with the quick passes. So this is going to be a lot of a lot on on the cornerbacks. Guys like Marcus Peters, Phillip Gaines, Jamal Fleming, those guys are going to need to be sharp in this game and not allow those quick passes. I I don't know how many sacks we're going to see. I, I'm hoping for at least one or two. Because the Chiefs really need that against Peyton Manning. They've got to get after him, take him to the ground, because that will deflate a lot of confidence from Denver's side and give the Chiefs a lot of momentum in this game. You come away with that on third down, it's going to be hard for Denver. And and look, Denver's not going to want to go for it on fourth down. Not in that kind of territory at Arrowhead Stadium. So if the Chiefs can put that together on defense, you, you let the offense take over... And look, like I said, you have Demarcus Ware and Von Miller, and by the way, the the cornerbacks, the former KU Jayhawks, and I know the Jayhawks not, not a good football team. I mean, I think we all saw what happened against Memphis this past weekend. But the Broncos, they're going to rely on Chris Harris and Aqib Talib, the two former KU guys. I mean, those guys have been really good throughout their careers. And Chris Harris, no longer underrated. Aqib Talib, he's he's, he's been a journeyman, but I think he's found a spot in Denver. And this defense, Tlaib and Harris, they they, they know what they're going to go up against. And look, I think for the Chiefs, ever since uh, Peyton Manning has gone to Denver, obviously Denver's been 6-0. and And throughout the duration of these three years, I don't think Denver's faced a really good Chiefs offense. They just haven't. I think this is the best offense that the Chiefs have ever had going into a game against the Broncos since Manning's uh, joined the team in 2012. So Denver, and I know the coaching staff is different but with Gary Kubiak now there, but the, 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 a lot of the players are still there. The players are going to have a much different look at this defense, a much different viewpoint Uh, So it's going to be a lot different for the Chiefs. I think in terms of what you have offensively, Travis Kelsey and Jeremy Macklin, I think they're going to help each other out. Defensive, like I said, they have to pick their poison. You have Travis Kelsey, maybe he gets double teamed, that opens opportunities up for Jeremy Macklin, maybe Joel Charles or Albert Wilson get wide open. Look, when you double team in football, it comes with a territory, something's going to happen. You double team a guy in basketball, look, you've you've got defenders, two defenders on one guy, there's got to be one open guy somewhere on the court. Same thing in football. With 11 guys, it's more complex, but if you double team one guy, someone else is going to be available, and it's up to Alex Smith to figure out who that guy is. His his reads are going to have to be near perfect in this game, and pretty quick too, because you are facing, like I said, Miller and, and Ware. And even Shane Ray, I'm sure, is going to get in with the rotation. Their first round pick out of Missouri. A lot of Tigers fans are very familiar with this guy. The only difference Chiefs fans would want is just a much better performance from Jamal Charles on the ground. If you can get that from Jamal Charles, it's going to be good. Look, I mean, for Jamal Charles, he's been the longest tenured Chiefs player on offense. This is a guy who's been there through the good and bad, and has consistently still done well. So the Char- the Chiefs definitely want to get him going and and use that rushing attack against Denver. You've got to be you've got to be three dimensional against this Denver team. It- it's not going to be just uh, using Jamal Charles in this game. I think the Chiefs really have to use advantage of Charles, Kelsey, and Macklin. That's that's up to Smith in this game. And look, you 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 still need decoys like DeAnthony Thomas. I mentioned that, uh, that fake sweep as an example in which the Chiefs ended up turning into a screen to Charles. You're going to need players like that to pull through and be decoys. Denver knows it's going up against a pretty darn good Chiefs offense with a lot of speed, and those defensive players have got to be able to keep up because if someone's wide open like Travis Kelsey was in this game, and for a second touchdown, if someone's wide open, they're going to do a lot of damage and get closer to the end zone, or maybe maybe even go to the end zone. So Denver is going to be on this A game, too. I think this is going to be a really fun game to watch, not just for Chiefs and Broncos fans, but I think for NFL fans in general. If you don't have a rooting interest in this game, if not, neither one of these teams are your favorites, I still think think this is a game that fans are going to be really glued into uh, we saw a couple of years ago when when uh, the Chiefs were nine and zero, and Denver was I think nine and one or eight and one. I remember that was the most viewed Sunday Night Football primetime game uh, midway through the season, and I would have loved to see both of them be nine and zero, which would have been possible because the two teams hadn't even played at that point. I think a lot of people are excited. This is a primetime game. And people want to see who's going to come out on top. And look, a lot is on the line. I know it's just going to be two games in. But 16 games is not a lot in football. You have to be able to make an impact right away. That's why Week 1 games are so huge. To get It's huge to get off to a, a good start. So if the Chiefs can go 2-0, 2-0 is obviously huge. You get off to that kind of a start. And then in possible tiebreaker situations, you'll have the upper hand against Denver. So the Chiefs will need that. In this game. And of course the defense. I think the defense will give Peyton Manning a hard time. We saw what happened to Peyton Manning against a Ravens team that's not really good defensively. I mean they don't have a lot of the players they once had. Especially Terrell Suggs. He had to miss some of the game because of an injury. An Achilles season ending injury. Which it turned out to be unfortunately for the Ravens. But the Chiefs have that. A guy in Poe who makes Holly and Houston better. And allows them to have one on one matchups on the sides. And with better coverage from Peters and the rest of that cast, I think Manning's going to have a hard time coming away with quick passes. I'm still debating if this is going to be a low-scoring game or a high-scoring game because both defenses are good. I don't think it's going to be necessarily low-scoring, but I don't think it's going to be a shootout either. I think it's going to be, final score-wise, I think it's going to be similar to what we saw with the Chiefs and the Texans. I'm going to go ahead and give this one to the Chiefs Twenty-four to twenty. I think the Kansas City's going to come away with its first win against the Broncos since the team acquired Peyton Manning. That'll do it for the Chief Zone. Thanks a lot for listening to this podcast. Now making its way back here online. If you guys want to subscribe to the show, please do so through iTunes, or you guys can listen on my website. I'll post the links on social media as always, and feel free to interact with me on social media. My Facebook page, Farzin Vesugian, give it a like, and also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Thanks again. We will talk to you guys following the Chiefs and Broncos game. I'll talk to you guys next week.